Welcome to Rooted and Unwavering, a podcast and radio show which features leaders from all walks of life in conversations about courageous connectedness. How do we stay connected to our best selves, especially when we are challenged? What becomes possible when we truly stay committed to our own and others' greatness, also when we don't feel it? Join host Hilke Faber, transformational coach, facilitator, and award-winning author of Taming Your Crocodiles, and his guests as they explore leadership greatness in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to this next episode of Rooted and Unwavering. We're broadcasting live from the Business Radio X station in the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, which is in Phoenix or near Phoenix, where we help leaders connect more deeply to their innate potential. I'm your host, Hilke Faber, and I am so honored to be joined today by Zoya Litvin from Ukraine, although that's not where you are today. Hi, Zoya. How are you today? Hi. Pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. I'm quite fine. And it's a very interesting topic to discuss with you today. Actually, I never thought about it before so deeply before we agreed to have this conversation. Well, I'm, I'm delighted to be here with you. I will introduce you in a little moment. When I first met you, uh, I knew you were the perfect person for this podcast. And before we uh, go into the conversation, let me say a few words uh, to all of us listening uh, about this podcast. This podcast, Roots and Wavering, is about courageous connectedness. It's a series of podcasts to help us connect more deeply to our true selves. And, and think about for a moment, what's that like? to be truly connected to your best self, when you feel like in harmony, when you feel in balance, when you feel in flow, when you feel really rooted in your values, when you maybe feel taller on the inside in the sense of like, yes, uh, I'm here. I am here. I'm here. Am I my truth? Uh, I am in my sense of, I could call it unconditional love. I'm, I'm here. I'm here really to extend myself. And I don't know about you listeners, but for me, that's a journey. That's not something that is always on, although it's always available. It's not always on. And uh, these podcasts are to help inspire each other to find ways to listening by listening to different people from different walks of life about how they do this, how they connect to their best selves. And in, in workshops that I and that we deliver with Growth Leaders Network, we often ask this question when faced with a challenge. How would somebody you admire approach this? How would somebody you admire approach this? And the people that I'm interviewing in this podcast for Rooted and Unwavering are all people that I admire, including you, Zoya. So I'm so glad that you're here. Let me say a few words about Zoya. Zoya is a Ukrainian educator, reformer, and impact entrepreneur. She's the founder of the NGO Osvitoria and also of Ukraine's top uh, innovative school, which is called the Novo Persierska School. And I don't say this correctly, probably, uh, which was recognized by- Almost. Almost. Thank you, Zoya. Well, it will teach me in a second how to go that. It's, it's recognized by Microsoft to be one of the uh, top 100 most innovative schools in the world. You're also a TED speaker. You are part of the supervisory board of the UN Global Impact in Ukraine, and you are also recognized by the president of Ukraine as a merited educator. And you didn't get these accolades 
for nothing because you have done so many things. Uh, one of the things you've done with your team during the COVID-19 pandemic, you've created an online school that creates secondary education. It's called the All Ukrainian Online School that brings to every student the very best of Ukraine's teachers. And then when Russia attacked and the war started, you were asked and you were wise enough to continue this platform. And now it's being used by more than 500,000 students in Ukraine and also 120 countries or maybe even more as refugees abroad uh, to be sitting uh, and in a screen just like we're sitting right now to continue their education. You know, you could say to stay rooted and unwavering in their education. In cooperation with UNICEF, you're also, together with your team, focusing on thinking about how is to restore the educational systems in Ukraine. I'm reading in that the recovery strategy as you're being charted by the Ukrainian uh, parliament to do this, uh, also to, to with, with the view of when this, when this war is finally over. So... Zoya, I am so grateful that you're here today. And uh, let me first ask you, where are you today? So I'm in Greece with my children. And uh, we left Ukraine on a third day of war. We didn't expect it would happen until we woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning when our windows came crashing in. And uh, we had a long journey. We went to Slovakia, then we stayed a little bit in Hungary, and then we traveled to Greece because we had some friends who invited us to stay with them. And now it is the time to go home. And I hope that uh, it will be safe enough to me and my kids to stay there. So in a week, we will be there in a few weeks. Well, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that you are getting to go home and that's quite a, a, a journey that you took together with your kids. I remember the first words that I heard from your mouth were, bah, say a bit more about that. Yes. So I have two kids, son who is a teenager and a little girl who is a one and a half years old. Her first word was baba. And in Ukrainian, it means the sound of a great explosion. She said that word the morning, it actually was the night, four o'clock in the night, when we woke up because, that, because of that concussive sound of bombs. And it was the bombardment of Kiev. And um, it's funny because we had a competition with uh, my husband, her father, what would be her first word? Would it be mom or dad? And um, it was babach. And I didn't even realize that she really meant it. But when next bombs were coming, when we had our windows broken, she was babach, babach, you know. So, yeah, that's the first word of my daughter. But now I'm happy because she also have learned some new words since the beginning of war. And her second word was mom. So still we, can, we may say that it's some kind of normal childhood. I can't say that she is depressed or um, wounded by war so much mentally. And of course, it's more difficult for my teenager son because he understands much more mm -hmm. what is going on. He left 
his home, he lost all his friends, and they were really important for him. So as for me, I think that, you know, we are the books that we read, and we are those people that surround us, those people that are friends and family, and now we don't have them next to us. So it's difficult. Yes, yes, I understand. And still, I see you uh, s- smiling. And, and I remember when I saw you give this talk at the Earth Week at Arizona State University, where I met you, where you said these two words, Baba, as the, the intro of your, of your talk. And I saw you stand there strong. And then afterwards, I watched you the, doing the TED Talk in Vancouver. I saw you s- just with, with such strength and conviction. So can you tell me a little bit about, or can you share a little bit about how, how do you access that? So first of all, you need to know that, uh, frankly speaking, I'm on the stage of denial. And uh, probably this is not good, but I forbid myself to think about war and to reflect on it. And I've read somewhere that sometimes it's really good not to reflect on all this stuff going on with you, not to, let's say, re-traumatize yourself. And second thing you need to know, uh, I always, you know, I work with kids, I work with children, and I definitely know that it's very responsible role. And we are, as adults, we are a great support for our kids. But now I understand that they are also great support for us. And the main reason why I can't give up, why I have to stay optimistic, why I have to force myself to live my life and enjoy my life and stay strong is my kids. So they are also our support. And this is uh, something I realized only when war has started. It's beautifully said. Our kids are our support because they invite us, they call forth in us this determination. Because, because I feel connected. I feel connected to them because you feel connected to them. Now, there was Zoya before all this happened and before you started to get involved in creating Osvitoria and on co-creating that and all this stuff you've been doing in education. So share with us, if you like, if you're willing to, a little bit about your life and, and what's been guiding you to become the person that you now are and become the leader that you are today? I was born just uh, a few days before the Chernobyl disaster, a few years before the collapse of the Soviet Union. And I was raised uh, in an independent Ukraine. I was raised by two very strong women, my mother and my grandmother. And they both worked very hard so that uh, I could have a good education. Uh, They knew that they can't leave me a huge heritage or something. And life is very unpredictable, as we see it now. So they always told me, you know, the best investment that government can make in its citizens or families can make in their children is education. This is the only thing which is unassailable. And whatever happens, you will always have your skills and knowledge with you. And you can be whoever you'd like to be with that kind of skills and education. And 
Thanks to them, I managed to enter the best university of Ukraine and I received a scholarship and later on it opened so many doors for me. I had a great first job, second job, and then I end up creating my own school because, again, I know that education matters and if you want to create something not only for profit but for purpose, mm -hmm. It's definitely an education. My school is uh, not only the place of happiness for our 500 children, it is also research and development center and example for innovations in educational system of Ukraine. Because my goal is to develop the human capital of Ukraine and globally, Thanks to education, because this is the only tool that brings up empowered children, future leaders of tomorrow that can create better environment, better economy and better society and better version of themselves every day. I, I love that. I love that. So you, you, you went over one part of your story, which to me was quite big, which was well, I, I got a few good jobs. I was working education and then I created my own school. That is not a very, <laughs> you could say, usual course of events. So go back to that moment, if you wouldn't mind, and just tell a little bit about what did you connect within yourself that had you made that leap or did it even feel like a leap? What was the process of, of going through that for you? I probably should start with the first course in my university. It was always important for me to make change. And I joined the group of student leaders. It was a youth organization called YouthCan. We were uh, poor students with uh, not so much, so much money, but we wanted to make change. And we decided that we will go to an orphanage that was not far from our university. We can't bring sweets, we couldn't bring um, presents to those kids, but we could bring ourselves and spend some quality time with those kids. And it probably was the first time when I realized then that it matters a lot. After six months with those kids, they have changed dramatically. They learned to trust us they learn to share with each other and that's when i probably realized that i will connect my life with education one way or another then i was lucky enough to be in a huge development company i started as a marketing officer then i became chief marketing officer they created a huge living area in kiev the capital of ukraine and they had an idea okay let's create a school because we will have 3000 families in our uh, area that we are constructing and they will probably need a school and I said, okay, let me do the marketing research, uh, what we should construct and whom should we invite to operate the school. And then I realized this is the chance. I have a son who is growing up. He was uh, around four years old that moment. And I decided I should be the one who will create the school, who will 
operated and uh, who will create an amazing place for children of Ukraine and also for my own son. And that's what I did. That is beautiful. I love that. That's beautiful. That sense of like, I'm going to create something for my son and why not me? And I also heard something about being together with the kids in the orphanage and seeing how they started to trust you. Now, yes, yes. You know, the moment that was, sorry to interrupt you, but I just suddenly remember it. So, you know, there are a lot of uh, sponsors that are ready to come to those kids to bring some sweets, oranges, some toys, to bring journalists with them and to show how responsible they, they are. But uh, it's not good for children because um, they got this consumerism when uh, they're always in a situation like this. And they need somebody to really spend time with them, not to bring sweets, to bring journalists, make photos and then leave and never come back. So after six months, it was a new year. The Coca-Cola company, they brought a lot of toys for kids. They have a very cute polar bear in a scarf of Uh Coca-Cola. And I remember the boy, Alexander was his name. He was around nine years old. And he was holding that bear and looking at the bear, then looking at me, looking at the bear, then again at me. And I saw that hesitation uh, in his uh, soul and mind and then he breathed out came to me and gave this beautiful bear to me as a present and that's how he learned to share and it was probably first time in his life when he did share something when he made a present and that's when I realized that it's so important that we stay with them we spend quality time with them, not just bring something and leave. The best thing you can do is invest yourself in those kids. I love that. And I love that. I love that sense of giving presents to the kid. You gave presents and your kid gave you a present. You know, that's like, it's, it's very interesting to see how, how that happens, staying present throughout, which you could say is a very ingredient, a core ingredient in staying connected to ourselves. Like the mind has all kinds of ideas uh, about what we should do and even like maybe some egoic motivations like looking good or being good people or whatever we have in mind. And then the simple act of, of being present with Alexander kind of broke the ice and helped him trust you, which I'm sure for him was a huge leap forward in his development. And then from that trust, he Definitely. was able to say, here, here's, here's this thing that I cherish. And I gave it, he gave it to you. But how did you feel in that moment? He gave that to you. So frankly speaking, I was very honored. And my first thought was to refuse because it was a beautiful toy. He just received it. And I wanted him to keep this bear. I know that he doesn't have much toys. But then I realized, no, it's the first time in his life when he's offering something to other person, when he's willing to share. And I should appreciate it. And I will accept that bear. And when he became so happy, when I thanked him, 
I think it was one of the mo- of the best days in my life. I still remember it. I can see I can see it in your eyes and and what I what I highly relate to that is dignity. You know, this this the dignity of being able to receive a gift from somebody else and and then say thank you. I see you. You know, and suddenly I'm sure I'm sure Alexander felt quite tall on the inside as that as that was happening for him, which is great. Which you could say is a way to help each other to be restored to our our connectedness. That's very very beautiful. And the other thing that struck That's me. Is, go ahead. Go ahead. That's true because again, kids in uh, orphanages, um, socially deprived kids, they often feel, thanks to government system, that people owe them. Everybody needs to help them, but it's not about dignity and it's not about respect. And we don't want them to grow up like this. We want them to be able to share, to appreciate, and uh, to be strong inside and. That day, I felt that, as you said, yeah, he became taller, and uh, he understood that it's not only other people who should come and who might make him happy. He's also able to make other people happy, and he might be responsible for somebody's happiness and somebody's mood. He can make a change. So it was a very inspiring day. So much, so much happened in that one moment. So. When I hear you speak, I hear you speak about a first time, creating a first time for him, helping people to connect to a first time, first time for dignity, first time for sharing, first time for receiving a present, first time for receiving presents, first first time for, for that. So, and I hear you, so, so when I hear your story and I think about your life, in a way, that's also what you're providing with school. You know, you're providing this sense of, this very early formative experience. So I have to ask you, when the invasion started and now that you're into it for a, for, a little, for a while, what's the experience that you want to give the kids now that are in it? What do you want them to experience through your schools and through your energy and through your being? It's a very hard question, frankly speaking, because... Um... You know, we still hope that it will be over soon and that their uh, childhood wouldn't be influenced so much. But unfortunately, no. And for the first days of war, we tried to cheer them up, to check if they are safe, what kind of help they need. Now we try to explain to them that, you know, whatever happens, sometimes we doesn't control it. But the only thing they might control is their reaction to those circumstances and the choice if they like if they will keep going, if they will remain positive or they will be depressed and broken, still it's their choice. You know, like Victor Frankl said, the last freedom that can't be taken from you is your choice to react to those events happening to you. So that's what we are teaching our children. They finished the school year with us. We had to switch to online, but I know that it was so important to them, not only because it's about knowledge and skills, it's about 
keeping your pre-war routines when everything has changed in your life, when you lost your home, when you lost your routines, your friends. Some of them, unfortunately, lost members of their families, but they had this support. And whatever happened, we tried to prove to them. It's your choice how you will react to these circumstances. You are strong enough and you might be support to your parents, to your family. So let's do it. I, I love that. I love that you're also invoking Viktor Frankl with The Last of Human Freedoms is the ability to choose. That's very beautiful. And I'm wondering for yourself, because... You know, Viktor Frankl was paraphrased as saying, you know, between a stimulus and a response lies the freedom to choose. And that and that 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 in-between stage. So how do you train yourself? How do you coach yourself? How do you how do you be a mother and a father to yourself? Because that I'm sure you had have had lots of stimuli over the last months where you had to practice this. Okay, so I don't think I'm uh, the best example, but uh, because, you know, it's not something you can learn in advance. I know that now our kids being in that situation, they will end up much stronger, much more um, sustainable, much more flexible. And whatever they will face in their life in future, it can't be as bad and as challenging as war in your country when your whole life changes in one moment but uh, again we try to remain positive and we explain to them it's your choice if you'll be if you will be broken or if you will become stronger and i'm very happy that all of our kids at school or team members teachers they have chosen to become stronger thanks to these challenges. And if you speak about me, I try to work as much as possible because uh, I'm lucky enough that I have a job that is so inspiring for me. It is something I love and uh, I dedicate myself to all those things, to refugees' education at the moment. I'm supporting teachers of Ukraine. We try to teach them uh, how to work with trauma, psychological trauma, and what to do about this, how they might support themselves to in order to support kids. And the more I work the less space I have for set thoughts. And this is my choice to keep going. And secondly, you feel much better when you can help others. Even when you need help, when you start helping others, it helps you a lot. So that's what I do. I, I, it's beautiful. And I, I just noticed you looking up as you were talking about how much you love your work and your purpose and your service and how it helps to restore you and rejuvenate you. I'm inferring this from what you're saying and then allows you to be even more of service. So it's a, it's a, a self-perpetuating mechanism that you're choosing. Now, I also want to ask you to say, are there any moments? No, that's, that's not the right question because the answer is, of course, yes. Of course, there's moments where you may not feel great, right? You're a human being. It would be unnatural and probably not even healthy if you pushed it all away. 
So when we come back, because I'm going to take a short break in a moment, I'm going to ask you to think a little bit about and speak a little bit about moments where you might have felt in the dark, in the dark night of the soul, either in the last few months or in the last few years, and how you then found within yourself the willingness and the openness to to respond rather than react. So uh, let's take a short break. Uh, I see lots of comments coming in from people that are really appreciating your words, Soya. I'm already very inspired by what I've been hearing. Thank you so much. And let's take a short break. You are listening to Rooted and Unwavering, presented by Growth Leaders Network, the leadership, team, and culture development company. If you would like to learn more about working on connectedness for yourself, your team, or organization, please contact Growth Leaders Network on LinkedIn. And now, back to the show. So on that question, Zoya, before, just to recap, if people are just joining in, we are speaking with Zoya Litvin. Uh, she's currently in Greece, uh, although uh, her domicile is Kiev, Ukraine. She's the founder of Osvitoria, the NGO that currently provides online education, secondary education, secondary school education to more than 500,000 students in both Ukraine and in more than 120 countries uh, around the world now as refugees. So, Zoya, before the break, we talked about this choicefulness and accessing that and teaching others to do it. And you talked so eloquently about how being of service helps you to, I, I sense my words, maybe rise above now rise above. So talk a little bit about, if you like, what's that like or what experiences have you had, uh, maybe one, that where you may, may have felt more disconnected and more in the dark? And how did you work through that? So I'm a very optimistic person and I never let myself to be down too much and to be depressed because I realized that in the end of the day, it's, it is my personal choice. And, you know, I'm surrounded, uh, I'm not only a school founder, my Osvitoria NGO, we work a lot with deprived children and orphans to provide access to quality education. And uh, some of my colleagues, when they hear the story of those kids, they become depressed, they start crying. I have a great mental immunity. I'm always vice versa. I'm so happy that we came to those kids, that we make change for them and we help them to have better chances in their lives. But uh, like, so I'm very optimistic. And if something bad happens to me or uh, there are challenges, I'm always optimistic and I realized that uh, okay I have kids that I'm responsible for in the orphanage that don't have parents at all uh, and for example a sister of the child is uh, dying in 13 because of teenager alcoholism and she's addicted in only 13 years old so who am I to stop going and to be depressed no the world needs me and I'm doing a great thing. I'm doing education. I'm providing access to the education and it's enlightening for people. So it's a very, I'm biased, but education is the great field to work in. But 
probably I was very depressed at the beginning of the war because uh, I didn't even think about such a possibility. You know, I grew up in an independent Ukraine. I was ready to build up the country. I used to feel myself an agent of change, not a refugee. And being a refugee, even with all this tremendous support that we receive from other countries and other people, still it's a humiliating experience uh, for, for ourselves to feel like a refugee. So I was quite depressed at the beginning and uh, it's the first time I realized that uh, you may have your values and dreams but sometimes your brain just turns off and you become a reptile with all those how do you say freeze fight flight freeze Yes, yes. You know, and I always thought that I am a fighter and if something happens, uh, I'll be very active. No, I froze. When war started, I froze. I was absolutely not ready for this. And uh, I was like a vegetable. And only because of my kids, I had to wake up and start doing something because they would be scared, scared otherwise, and they would be traumatized. So I had to do something. And when things like that are happening, probably what helps me is not to think, oh God, why, why is it happening to me? I always ask myself what I have to learn out of this situation. Why is it happening to me? What should I change and how I should improve and how should I become stronger thanks to this situation? I try to appreciate it. Thank you so much. I, I feel your, your fierce courage. And I also hear your the sound of your kids, yeah. which is so Sorry. No, this is Sorry. fantastic. This is fantastic. Because, you know, I think that the call from your kids and is is in part what's been a, a symbol a motivating force for you which i find so inspiring something greater than yourself to lift you up to find your resourcefulness to get out of the vegetable state which which i we can so relate to i can so relate to that yes so relate to that so i love that you call it the vegetable state so i'm sure there's listeners many listeners probably that are experiencing the vegetable state from time to time. You talked about looking at challenge with the eyes of learning. How yes. do you do that? How do you make that switch? How do you go from this vegetable dark state? If you just mo mo for a moment, think about that. Like, I'm curious to hear from you about where does that come from within Soya? I'm an educator. So um, many discoveries I had at school thanks to great teachers. And I remember the course of biology when we heard that story about a scientist who was working with uh, Mo, yes. So he was working with bacteria and suddenly he discovered uh, antibiotics. So I think it's really important to have this kind of attitude to your life, not like this is the plan and we all should keep this plan. There's always some kind of uh, experiments in your life. You should 
try to discover and you should have this attitude of an experiment to those changes and uncertainties. Yes, yes. Even because the... that scientist, he could think, okay, this is uh, a mistake and I didn't uh, create the bacteria that I wanted to have. No, instead he created an antibiotics that now are saving so many lives. And uh, if you will switch to that mode of uh, explorer and discovery mode, then you will realize that life is bringing presents to you, not uh, only challenges. Ah, fantastic. So I love this, like this sense of the mold, the bacteria from going from mold to actually uh, a vaccine, which is, which is incredible. That's incredible. That is, that is absolutely incredible. And so when you think about what you've been learning from this challenge that's on the table right now and ongoing, the war. What would you say have you been learning? So before I thought that uh, your inner harmony and uh, your important discoveries about yourself, they might happen to you in the times of uh, achievements, of greatest glory. Because before I remember I was very happy and I definitely knew that this is an important moment of change when I had my son or when I opened up the school, when I saw first kids coming to my school or when we created an amazing program for orphanages. But because of war, I realized that the darkest moments, they are also very important to understand who you really are. Because when your brain turns off because of stress and panic, your inner yourself, true yourself, turning on. And it's a great learning moment to discover yourself. That's beautiful. That's be so say, say more about that. So Because you've been experiencing this mm -hmm. here quite a few times over the last few months, mm -hmm. uh, where these dark moments in my experience, would then be the carriers of grace in some very roundabout way in which we, we access something deeper. So how does that work for you? How does that that accessing of something deeper when the brain basically, so basically says, eh, kaput, there's nothing I can do or I don't know what to do uh, or just turns off? Like, what, what's your experience? And can you give an example maybe of when that happened and what your experience was? So first of all, I have discovered that I am much stronger than I ever thought I am. I never considered myself to be a weak person. When war has happened, my first thoughts were, okay, I will be mentally broken and it's not something that a normal person can handle. That's too much. But no, I managed to survive. I managed to continue my job. I managed to keep jobs for my team to find the solution. But at the beginning, it was so overwhelming. I thought I won't be able to do it. But after three, four, five days, when I realized I'm responsible for my kids, I'm responsible for my team, and it's like 150 persons, we found a solution. 
you know, also war, it uh, brings a new perspective to motherhood. And uh, the first hours when everything had started and when Kiev was invaded, I realized that the only thoughts in my head, they were about most important things in my life. Because as a working mother, there's always a dance, uh, how to find that balance between your kids, your family, yourself, and your job. Even knowing that I adore my job, but I always felt that guilt, I'm not given enough time to my kids, I should spend more time with them. And um, then you're like, it's a very clear... Uh, selection in your head what is really important and what is not so important when war comes and uh, it, it's a clearance which is important so so war cleared things out for you you could say and help you to focus on what's really important to you so- yes yes you know sometimes if you don't have that understanding then uh sometimes other people that they make choices for you they come to you with an ideas or projects or initiatives and um you are okay why not this person seems so inspired oh why shouldn't we do this but um in a situations like this we need to use them to grow up and um, to set the priorities so that's something that war does for all of us and uh, the moment when i realized i i have to be strong and again that this is my choice if i will remain in that as you said as you like vegetable state or uh, i will force myself out of that comfort zone and i will become stronger was the moment then we when we were leaving kiev and it was uh, invaded by russian soldiers that time and we were coming through the uh, through the city of bucha which is uh, later was occupied so russian soldiers were coming uh, in kiev through bucha and they started shelling of uh, ukrainian soldiers that had their a little base on the road and there was there were a lot of cars on the road and uh, they started fire on those cars and um, in ukrainian soldiers and i had three kids in a car because i was coming with my friend and her daughter and kids became frightened it's not a it's not a strong enough word to describe how we felt at that moment and uh, i was um, in that vegetable state with no minds in my head. And then a little girl of my friend, she started to cry and she asked, Mama, what is going on? And there was man who almost crashed our car because he was panicking and he tried to leave uh, the road to be in safe. And um, he was shouting fire 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 he was uh, really afraid and um, that little girl said mama what is what does it mean what is the fire and my friend turned herself on and she said oh he means it's a fireworks you know it's a fireworks because it's some kind of celebration and at that moment she stopped crying she looked 
at her mom and she calmed down and she asked, okay, mom, and where are we going? And she said, we are going for a beautiful vacation. And can you imagine this all happening when there is a shelling, when you have a hole in your car because of the bullet and you are uh, turning your car around to live uh, through the field of maize? We have to be strong for our kids. And we can. If we can be strong uh, in a situations like this, I'm sure we as a humans, we can deal with anything because we are so strong enough. This quiets me, this story. This is just quiets me. Were you driving the car? No, I was uh, in the car with my son, with my daughter, and with my friend and her daughter. We were living in Kiev uh, together with our kids. And thanks to her and her example, I also turned myself on. I told myself, come on, <laughs> you have to be strong because you really can do it. And your kids need you. Life is beautiful. Even at this moment, it doesn't seem so, but you need to survive. You've, you've given such a powerful example. And you've talked so much about strength today. So in our conversation, we've talked so much about strength. And I see such beauty coming from you as you embody that strength. Uh, and you talk about this in your stories in terms of how you, how you find a way to stay true to what is truly important to you. And that's very, very beautiful, very beautiful to hear. And I'm sure very inspiring for people to, to sit with. So as you're looking ahead, Zoya, what are you sensing you're learning now that prepares you for what's to come? You mean me as a person or... Uh... You as Zoya, whether it's you as Zoya the mother, Zoya the lead of this organization, Zoya as a Ukrainian citizen, Zoya as presence, being. What are you <laughs> learning and how do you think is that's preparing you for what's to come? So I think that, you know, the role of a real leader is actually to bring up other leaders, to empower other people. And uh, I always knew that. But uh, now I understand that um, I was always on a right path, helping others to find their potential, realize what are their strengths, as I previously said, to help others to create better version of themselves every day and better version of society because we can do it. And now, thanks to war, came up with uh, ideas of other projects that help kids to continue their education during war. And uh, I also managed to bring my team back together we work a lot now together and um, it's also my mental support because I think it's really important to do what inspires you with those people that inspire you. Do what's important to you that inspires you with people that inspire you. That is very beautiful. And I hear you speak about bring out the best in others as your core leadership orientation. I've heard you say in this hour, several times thanks to war that to me is the epitome of 
being an adaptive leader, being able to be adaptive to the circumstances uh, as they present themselves. As we're getting towards the uh, final few minutes of our conversation today, what do you want to say to the listeners? And this time is entirely for you as a Ukrainian citizen, as Zoya, as the leader of Esvitoria. What, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? Because I'm sure people in the world are listening to you. And what do you want people to know? I want them to know that this war is very difficult, like any war. But uh, our Ukrainian people, they are standing heroically and they're fighting every day and they are not fighting for their borders. They are fighting for freedom, our freedom in Ukraine and freedom of Europe. It's very important that we win this war, we stop war and uh, all the people are united in the world and uh, we need help of our other people to stop this war. We need their support and everybody can do something to relieve the pain for refugees, for displaced people or to stop war and uh, bring peace to Ukraine and to Europe. Like every one of us, we can do change. Even if it seems impossible, you really can make a change. And as I previously said today, freedom costs a lot. Cheap price uh, is only for slavery. And uh, if we don't speak about war, please remember that your inner freedom is important and you always have this freedom to choose. If you will be destroyed by circumstances, by challenges, or you will choose to survive, become stronger and help others. This is only our choice. It's not about circumstances. It's about us. So please, let's make right choices. Thank you, Zoya. That is very beautiful, very powerful. I want to ask you maybe one final question as we are thinking about uh, finalizing this conversation. You talked about the power of choice and you talked about the power of choice. What is the first thing that you choose every morning? I choose to enjoy my day. I choose not to regret about some things that happened yesterday or some things that are not in my circle of influence that I can't change. And I choose not to worry about tomorrow or after tomorrow. I choose to enjoy this day because happiness is something that is happening to us at this particular moment. It's not something we have to wait for tomorrow or next week, it's something we choose to feel, happiness. Happiness is also a choice. Beautiful. Thank you, Zoya. It's been amazing to speak with you today. I am so inspired just listening to you and hearing you talk about how you connect to your choicefulness, uh, to your sense of experimentation, uh, your sense of joy. It is an amazing amazing set of of insights you're you're offering to us from a very lived and living experience where you're creating 
wonders and miracles out of what is a very dark situation without not calling it uh, beautiful. It's also a dark situation, which you're, you're very beautifully navigating towards and, and inspiring us to, to do our part. So thank you, Zoya. Uh, are you okay if people reach out to you uh, on LinkedIn or elsewhere, uh, if they want to be in touch with you? Of course. If I might be helpful to you somehow, I will be glad to do it. Absolutely. And I'm sure many listeners will uh, say the same thing to you. What can they do to help you? So if you want to help Zoya and her organization, look for Zoya Litvin on LinkedIn. Ukraine also has several uh, websites where you can donate money or find other ways to be of service. Even being in prayer might be a great way to be of service to create this energy of, of love and happiness and, and support and strength. And seeing you today, Zoya, was a true blessing for me. Uh, you definitely be one of the people that I will think about when I'm faced with challenge and I'm tempted to go vegetabling. I will be asking myself, how can I respond differently from this to this? Like sitting in the car with those kids when the shells were falling. How can I find my strength even when my brain doesn't know how to and uh, and then and then choose choose the happiness in these moments thank you so much for this zoya everyone thank you for uh listening today we have been listening to zoya litvin who's the head of the ngo ngo osvitoria and we are in the uh, rooted and unwavering podcast uh, next time uh we will be uh, with renee joachim who's the chief people and customer service offer customer officer for uh, Remitly, which is a remittance company that helps to make sure that people in developing country are able to get their money very uh, efficiently and economically. And also, if you're interested in finding out more about rooted and wavering, we'll have live dialogues, which we call a community conversation. So look on LinkedIn for rooted and unwavering community conversations. But actually, I will replay some of the clips from this interview and have a live dialogue about them. All right. Zoya, anything else you'd like to say by way of closing? Thank you for having me here today. I hope it was not only useful for those who were listening to us, it definitely was useful for me. And I had to reflect on some important questions. So it was a pleasure. And thank you for what you do, Hilke. It's an honor to be with you. And I hope you have a good journey home. I hope I hope tomorrow that you may be in safety and wellness and well-being for everyone uh, of you, of your family and everyone around you. So that's it for today. Uh, thank you everyone for listening, for your questions, for your presence. I hope you found some helpful nuggets in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering. We'll be back in a month in August. Uh, you've been listening to Rooted and Unwavering, where we help leaders connect more deeply to their innate potential. I'm your host, Hilke Faber. Thank you. See you next time. Thank you for joining us in today's episode of Rooted and Unwavering, leadership conversations about courageous connectedness, presented by the leadership development company, Growth Leaders Network. To learn more, subscribe to this podcast, connect with Growth Leaders Network and Hilke Faber on LinkedIn, or read Hilke's award-winning book, Taming Your Crocodiles. Now take a moment and appreciate something that is great about you. Celebrate the gift that you are and enjoy connecting more deeply to your best self today. See you next time on Rooted and Unwavering.